68 to the chief musician a psalm or song of David. Let God arise, let his enemies be scared, let them also that keep him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melted before the fire, so let the wicked perish in the presence of God. Let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God, yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God, sing praises to his name, extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah, and rejoice before him. The Father of the fatherless and the judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary and families, bringeth out those which are bound with chains, the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O God, Thou wentest forth before thy people, thou didst march through the wilderness, Selah. The earth shook, the heavens also dropped, at the presence of God, even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Thou, O God, didst send a plentiful rain, whereby thou didst confirm thy inheritance when it was weary. Thy congregation hath dwelt therein. Thou, O God, hast prepared thy goodness for the poor. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. The kings of armies did flee apace, and she that tarried at home divided the spoil. When ye have lain among the pots, yet shall ye be as the wings of a dove covered with silver her feathers with yellow gold. And the Almighty scattered kings in it. It was white as snow and salmon. The hill of God is as the hill of Bashan, and high hill as the hill of Bashan. Why leap ye, ye high hills? This is the hill which God desired to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. Chariots of God are twenty thousand, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. Thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Blessed be the Lord who daily loaded us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God the Lord belong the issues from death. God shall wound the head of his enemies, and the hairy scalp of such as and one as goeth on still in his trespasses. The Lord said, I will bring again from Bashan, I will bring my people again from the depths of the sea that thy foot may be dipped in the blood of thine enemies and the tongue of thy dogs in the same. They have seen thy goings, O God, even the goings of thy God, my King, in the sanctuary. The singers went before thee, players on instruments followed after. Among them were the damsels playing with the timbrels. Bless ye God in the congregations, even the Lord, from the fountain of Israel. 
There is little Benjamin with their ruler, princes of Judah and their council, the princes of Zebulun and the princes of Naphtali. Thy God hath commanded thy strength. Strengthen, O God, that which thou hast wrought for us. Because of thy temple at Jerusalem shall kings bring presents unto thee. Rebuke the company of spearmen, the multitude of wolves, the chaos of the people, till everyone submit himself with pieces of silver. Scatter thou the people that delight in war. Princes shall come out of Egypt. Ethiopia shall soon stretch out her hands unto God. Sing unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth, O sing praises unto the Lord. Selah. And that rideth upon the heavens of heavens, which were of old, lo, he has sent out his voice, and that a mighty voice. Ascribe ye strength unto God. His excellency is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds. O God, thou art terrible out of thy holy places. The God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power his people. Blessed be God. That's where we read God's holy and inspired word. God bless the reading of his holy scriptures unto our hearts. It's on the basis of what we read in Psalm 68 and many other passages of scripture besides. Find the instruction of Edward Catechism birthday 46. Birthday 46.
And then question 117 of the Catechism asks, what are then the requisites or the requirements of that prayer which we are to offer unto God? And the Catechism teaches us that we are to pray only to God, and that we are to know our need and misery, and that we are to pray then from the heart, the sincere heart unto God. So the Catechism, having taught us briefly about the necessity of prayer, and then taught us briefly about what are the requirements of prayer, moves then in this Lord's Day, Lord's Day 46, into the content of our prayers. What is it that we pray unto God? This morning we consider the address. Jesus in the model prayer taught the disciples to pray, beginning with the opening words, Our Father, which art in heaven. We are not this morning considering a petition. We're not asking God anything in this opening address. We are not in these opening words specifically thanking God for anything, but rather these are the words that we use to open up again the Christian's prayer. Jesus, in teaching us to use the words, our Father, which art in heaven, is not telling us that this is the only acceptable way in which one may begin his prayer unto God. If one reads through the scriptures, you will find other ways in which children of God have opened up their prayers. And yet Jesus Christ is teaching us something significant here. As he, in his model prayer, calls us to, teaches us to pray upon God by calling him our Father, which art in heaven. We consider this text this morning under the theme, Teach Us to Pray, Our Father. First, we'll consider His fatherly love. Second, His heavenly majesty. Looking at the second part, art in heaven. And then, third, our trust in Him. Teach us to pray, Our Father, His fatherly love, His heavenly majesty, our trust. What is the identity of the one to whom we pray? According to the words of Jesus Christ, the identity of the one to whom we pray is that he is our Father. That's the one to whom we speak. When we enter into the Holy of Holies, and call upon the almighty name of God. The psalmist in Psalm 68 gives us one of the few Old Testament examples where God is called Father. It was not until the New Testament when Jesus Christ came and ministered among his disciples that this idea of God being Father was taught more clearly and more fully unto the church. But throughout most of the Old Testament, the name that they would have used to call upon God was Jehovah, was 
Lord of hosts was Almighty God or ruler. But for the Old Testament saints to conceive of this Almighty God as Father would have been a new thought to them. Psalm 68 records one of the few instances in the Old Testament where God is addressed as Father. Psalm 68, verse 5, He is a Father of the fatherless, and a judge of the widows is God in His holy habitation. We consider briefly what this means, that God is our Father. Children have an idea, a concept of what it means that their dad is father. And so even children can relate to and understand this idea of the fatherhood of God. That God is father means that he is the one who has created us. The father is one who begets children. And so it is that Almighty God, our Father in heaven, is the one who has created us out of the dust of the ground. He shaped us. But then further, this idea of the fatherhood of God means that there is a resemblance between God and His people. There's a similarity between father and son. As human beings, we understand this to be true. When a child is born, we come and visit the newborn child the first things that we look for is, well, who does this child look like? Does this child bear the resemblance of mother? Does this child bear the resemblance more of father? But just as we who love that newborn child are excited to see the similarities between mother and father, so it is that we who are Christians ought to have zeal and eagerness for this idea that there is a similarity between the Almighty God who dwells in heaven and we who are His sons and His daughters. In a creaturely sense, God gives unto us a reflection of His heavenly majesty. He is Father, and we are His people. And then what does it mean that He is our Father? That he is our Father means that there is a relationship that we have with Him. It's not only the case that we are created of Him, it's not only the case that we resemble Him, but it's also the case that there's a union or a bond between Him. That's the relationship that children have with their Father. In a healthy home where fathers conduct themselves, with love unto their children, that the children reciprocate that love unto the Father. The children are eager to see their Father. Well, so it is for us then, who are the children of God, there is a relationship of love. That's why we want to speak to Him. He's our Father. And then as well, that he is our father means he understands. He understands. Psalmist says he's a father of the fatherless. He's a judge of the widows. He knows the trial.
trials, heartaches, losses that we experience on this earth. We do not go unto one who is detached or unmoved with the feelings of our infirmities. But we go unto one who through his Son, Jesus Christ, was tempted in all points, like as we are yet without sin. With motivation, that is as well to go unto him in prayer. That it added in your life, I'm sure, where you go to someone and you share something that's on your heart, something that's weighing down on you heavily. So it takes a while to work up the courage, but at last you do work up the courage and you go and you share this burden on your heart with the other individual and then, sadly, sometimes it seems as if the other individual does not care or even understand. We never have it with God, who is our Father in heaven. He understands. But how then is it possible for us to confess that God is our Father? For us, for we who are sinful and who have rebelled against Him, who have broken His commandments, how is it that we can make this bold claim, something that would have been new unto the Old Testament saints? We, we or as Old Testament saints, we who are New Testament saints can say it sometimes without even thinking. Of course, God is our Father. How is it that we can claim this? I never catechism teaches us, middle of answer 120, that God is become our Father in Christ. He's become our Father in Christ. This means that the fatherhood of God unto us is a wonder of grace. It means that God was not always our Father, but that God became our Father in Jesus Christ. There are Many in the world today who would deny this reality that God has become the father of his people through Jesus Christ. There are those who teach what is called the universal fatherhood of God. And according to this idea of the universal fatherhood of God, that God, by virtue of the fact that he is the creator God, by virtue of the fact that he is the one who has created all human beings, who breathes into every man's nostrils the breath of life, by that fact alone, he is their father. It's on the basis of this fact then that the modernist claims that, well, because God is our father, therefore, we have certain rights. And so the modernist claims that he has the right unto life, unto liberty, and unto the pursuit of happiness. After all, if God is the universal Father of every single person, head for head upon the face of this earth, then it ought to be the right, ought to be the case, that there are rights, there are privileges that are owed unto us. What the modernist fails to deal with is the tragic reality of sin. 
when we fell into sin in Adam, we had a different father. Not Almighty God who dwells in heaven, but the devil. John 8, verse 44, Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father, you will do. The devil has our father, then is one who, with whom we have a resemblance. Instead of resembling the holy God, we resemble the devil in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. Instead of there being a close and intimate relationship with God the Father, there is instead by nature a close and an intimate relationship with the devil. We delight in that which the devil puts in front of us. We enjoy satisfying the lusts of the flesh and the pride of life. The devil is, by nature, our father, because the devil ruled over us. He's our taskmaster. The devil, as father, has a certain measure of authority over us. We are under the dominion of sin, the evil that we would not, that we do, by nature. And so the only possibility, then, of God becoming our father is through the work of Jesus Christ his son. Everlastingly, this took place in the eternal decree of election. As God chose us in Jesus Christ, God determined who would be his family members. He chose us, not because we were more or mightier than the people of the world, but in love. He chose us to be the members of his family. This eternal adoption was sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ at Calvary. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of this house. And it's into this house that God draws his people to the finished work of Jesus Christ. By Jesus' suffering and death on the cross, he earned for us true righteousness, holiness, and satisfaction. And so it is then that we who have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ belong unto this family of God. And no one, not even the devil himself, may snatch us out of the Father's family. No one may abduct us to make us a part of a different family. We belong to the family of God. This, beloved, is why we can come unto God in prayer. Because He is our Father. Catechism says that this is the foundation of our prayer. Who would even dare to come into the presence of the Almighty and just judge if he was not also Father? <coughs> it's because he's Father that we dare to come before him, that 
we have confidence that he hears, that he understands our petitions. As Father, he loves us, he bestows upon us many blessings. We as earthly parents, fathers, and mothers oftentimes are struck with our inability, our inability to know what is best for our children, our inability to give our children what is best for them. But our Father has no such limitations. He is the Father who is wise. He knows all things. And He is the Father who is able to give unto us what we ask of Him in true faith because He is our Father which is in Heavenly, our Heavenly Father. So let's consider that the heavenly majesty of our Father. What does it mean that when Jesus Christ teaches us to pray, Father, which art in heaven? We must understand that Jesus is not teaching us here that God is bound to or limited unto one location. And that location is heaven. It cannot mean that there's only one place where God is at, and that one place where God the Father can be found is heaven. It cannot be the case that God is limited unto that place called heaven. Otherwise, we would have no access unto Him. Remember on Mount Carmel, when there was that competition between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and they both had their altars, and the prophets of Baal were calling out unto their God. And they could not get the attention of their false God. And so Elijah taunted them. Elijah said, well, shout louder. Perhaps your God is busy. Perhaps your God is away. Perhaps your God is sleeping. If, if you become more theatrical in your movements, if you dance, if you leap, if you even cut yourself, then perhaps that will get the attention of your God, and your God will then grant you the desires that you have. That would be the case for us if it were the case that our God was bound or limited to heaven. Then we would have to shout in order to get the attention of our God who is far, far removed from us and limited to this place called heaven. It's not the meaning of Jesus Christ teaches us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven. Our Father in heaven hears the whispers of his people. Our Father in heaven hears us when we pray silently. We're driving down the road. We pray to God asking him for strength of the day busy caring for our children, and we pray for grace to be patient with them. He hears even the unspoken cries of his people. So what then is the meaning when Jesus Christ teaches us to pray our Father who is in 
idea is this, beloved. Jesus is teaching us that our God is not a human being, but our God is divine. We pray unto one who is holy, holy, holy. We pray unto one who is filled with heavenly glory. We pray unto one who is transcendent. The Catechism warns us in answer 121 against forming any earthly conceptions of God's heavenly majesty. And that gets to the heart of what Jesus Christ is teaching us when he teaches us to pray to our Father which art in heaven. This is not just a conversation that we're having with another earthly human being. We're not speaking unto one who is our equal, but we are speaking unto one who fills the heavens of heavens. Psalm 68, verse 33 and 34 to him that rideth upon the heavens of heavens, which were of old, lo, he doth send out his voice, and that a mighty voice, ascribe ye strength unto God, his excellency is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds. That's the one to whom we pray, the one who is the independent God, the one who answers unto no one. The one who is omnipotent and transcendent, who is gracious and merciful, who is the God of infinite perfections. We pray unto the God of the heavens who is sovereign over all things. The God who so rules our lives that not even a hair can fall down from our head except he gives commandment. The God who numbers the days of our Lives and who is sovereign over our lives as well, sovereign over our death. The God who gives unto man the food that he eats, the God who upholds the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. It is to this God, our Father in heaven, whom we pray. Understanding then that our God is the God of heavenly majesty that impacts the way in which we come to Him in prayer, does it not? Understanding that we are praying to our Father in heaven means we come unto Him with reverence and with humility. We do not come lightly or flippantly into his presence. We do not approach him as if we are coming unto someone who is our equal. We do not talk to him the same way that we who are school children address our, our friends on the playground. It is because of this reality that we pray to our Father in heaven that we have the practice of bowing our heads when we pray to God as an indicator of the fact that we are going unto one who is greater 
and us. It's also because of the fact that He is our Father in Heaven that we have the practice of using Thee and Thou. We speak unto Him as a reminder unto us. We are going unto the Almighty, just Judge of Heaven. We must be careful in our prayers not to form any earthly conceptions of God. This can become a temptation, especially for those who are Christians and who oftentimes come unto God in prayer. There's a saying that familiarity breeds contempt. It could be a temptation for us that because we go unto Him so often in prayer, personal prayers, family, devotions, coming to his house twice on Sunday that begin to lose consciousness of the greatness of our God into whose presence we go. We must remember and, and call to mind regularly that the dwelling place of our Father is in heaven. He is the God who, according to the psalmist, daily loaded us with benefits. He is the God of our salvation. He is the God who brings His people from captivity and sets them free. He is the God who, bring, who gives unto His people the Spirit of Jesus Christ, which is the Spirit of Consolation. And so with deepest humility, not proud, not boastful, we come before him in prayer. For this reason as well, it is a good practice to pause before we begin our address at the start of our prayers. Dad tells the family around the table, children without heads, hold our hands, and let's pray. And it is appropriate to have a moment of silence so that the family can together be reminded of the fact that we are going before our Father in heaven. Because we pray to our Father in heaven, we are able to trust Him. We have steadfast trust in Him. Answer 121, the second half. We may expect from His almighty power all things necessary for soul and body. Note the language of the Catechism here. The Catechism does not say that as we go to Him in prayer, we may have a degree of certainty that He will provide for us things necessary for soul and body. It does not say we may have confidence that He will provide us with some things necessary for soul and body. But it says that we may expect from His almighty power all things necessary for soul and for body. Being confident of God's provision for our souls and our bodies is not something that comes naturally unto us. We are prone by nature to doubt, prone to be fearful about whether God will provide us and our children 
all things that we need for this life, prone to worry about our families, about our church and churches, prone to worry about our schools, prone to worry about the workplace, the relationships that we have, about the income that God has given to us, whether there will be sufficient to pay the bills in this month. And so it is that God in his fatherly love reminds us, when we pray unto him, we may and do expect all things necessary for soul and for body. We expect it, not because we are worthy of it, but we expect all things necessary for soul and body because of Jesus. He purchased us with his own shed blood, who redeemed us from the dominion of sin and from the tyranny of the devil, and who brings us into God's own family. Let us then come with confidence unto the throne of grace and address our Father in heaven. Let us approach him this way, not so that we may be glorified, but let us approach our Father in heaven with humility and reverence so that he may be glorified. He is the one who draws us unto himself. He is the one who gives unto us his children the gift of prayer. He is the one who opens up the way unto himself through his Son. And he is the one who, glori who is glorified as his covenant children. Address him by name, our Father, which art in heaven. Amen. Let us now go before God's throne of grace in prayer. Lord our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. We thank thee for thy word. We thank thee that we can call upon thee as Father, as one who knows us, who cares for us, who provides for us. Thou bestow upon us the blessings purchased for us by our elder brother, Jesus Christ, Thou send us home with thy blessing. Bring us again, Father, to worship thee in spirit and in truth in the afternoon of this day. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen. Amen.